you know, us sports moms have something to say. Yes, we do. We'll have a chance to interview across the board from athletes to the parents to the coaches to even the trainers. Yeah. And we're not afraid to share our journey. We're not afraid to tell other moms what we went through in order to raise up a student athlete. So I believe that it's inspirational. Yeah. We're able to tell our story, the good and the bad. Yeah. We can give back positive information. Absolutely. You know, we can empower them. Yeah, I think it's time for the mothers to be a voice. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yes. It's time for us to, to let you know what's going on. Everybody, this is Karen. Welcome to Can We Talk Sports? And I have my host, Arisha, aka Icy Fashion. <laughs> What's up, girl? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Just trying to get 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 in the routine of all the newness that's going on around here, the new normal. I know it. I know it. I I, I just found out that I gained 20 COVID-19 pounds. Karen. Is that the new normal or what? <laughs> I think all of us have though. Like I've been working out like crazy and I've gotten in some good shape, but I'm still not down the pounds that I normally would have been. So yeah. So it's just but I have changed the way I've been eating again. Really? Yeah. Well, I've been looking for uh I posted and uh, I have a friend, she has a detox tea, and I'm like, send me that detox. Can I just <laughs> Cleanse, Cleanse, yeah. All <laughs> let's, let's, get a let's get a boost and get it out of there. <laughs> right, right. Help, help me. There. Somebody right. help me. <laughs> right. So, how is Jordan in uh, football? What's going on in Kansas? Jordan's doing well. He's at a. He's a. They have a home game Saturday. I was gonna go, but due to unforeseen circumstances, I will not be going. For the betterment of whatever the situation may be, so I think that it's best that you know I'm gonna stay so that I'll I'll end up going to support his other school though. DeSoto you. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, the, the good thing about this though is like not making it to his game. I can at least watch it on ESPN or something like that now. So that's the benefit of being playing in NCAA or any kind of football, basketball, whatever. I at least can go on TV and I can really rewatch it probably on YouTube if for some reason I missed it. But they play I believe at 2:30 this week. Oh. And then they play OSU. They'll play against one of his old teammates, uh, Jabbar Muhammad. <laughs> no, that is DeSoto against DeSoto. That's exactly it. We got we got two players at at o, OSU. OSU. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Brown is there. <laughs> right. That's yep. what I always pose. I'm like DeSoto versus DeSoto. You know, we're yep. we're all over Saturday uh, Saturday football, right? It's and it's getting better. He's getting progress every week. First week he didn't get in. You know, it's the first field. He's the freshman walking on, and last week he got in twice. <laughs> really? As a I mean, as a walk on, he got yep, in. I didn't even realize he got in the second time. I saw him the first time. He Jerry Judyed somebody on the line. <laughs> he did him in a little bit. You know, the ball didn't come to him though, but he was in there. <laughs> he was in there. That's, That's right. For me. That's get in there. Get yeah, in there. Yeah, like booking them say, yeah, yeah, in the stands. <laughs> yeah. With this cheer, we make these crazy chants up on the fifty yard line at these Friday night football games. Yeah, those some those some good times. I, you know, I. I'm going to miss not being able to be there tomorrow, but uh, next week I will be there yeah. in the house. It's Where nothing are you like going it. tomorrow? Well, you know, I'm going back to Tulsa to uh, do some Feel more some filming more. Oh, okay. on uh, Black Wall Street, okay. uh, Greenwood Avenue projects. So I'm going down there to do some more filming. I'm hoping I'm hoping to get Mr. Pastor Michael Todd. Uh, I got uh, Carlton Pearson. Uh, to interview, but I'm hoping to get also get Michael Todd and uh, want to get the mayor and the chief of police and you know everybody that has a perspective about that community and as far right. as 
getting it back on his feet and it living again. So, That's good. That's so I'm good. leaving early in the morning and driving down. You going by yourself? Oh, well, the film person too, huh? Well, the film people are there. Already so I am okay. by myself. So I might be calling you so you can keep me awake on the phone. Oh, okay. For to update to, for the game. Yeah. Because you know I'm I'm the female version of Mike Ducey. <laughs> I didn't know after the scrimmage the other day, my friend said that some of the boys were like, Did Miss Icy uh get any of my video? So now I didn't know they depend on me to get the video. I like I did get some video, so I sent to a few people. I said, But you know, I'm gonna do better. So now okay. I got a job. I gotta be there. They depended on me. <laughs> right, right. To send to do their video and post well, their stories. I done got some years of experience in that area now. Yes. So you have to talk to the coach. They might have to bring you on the staff. And yeah, I'm going to have to come on. Yeah. I need the raw footage, not the huddle. We need the raw at the moment with the fans in the backgrounds footage. When the camera going all over the place like that. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I'm excited about the show uh, tonight. We have 28 years of experience that's coming on the show tonight. I mean, wow. we gotta, that's some rich wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited. So uh, let's welcome to the show, Coach Wash. I might be saying his name. Go bring it in, tuck him in, let's go, move, let's go, hustle up. I was at Rhode Island College and uh, fell in love with sort of the state school model. Maine just seemed like a great fit. Uh, great school, great athletic culture, great leadership. Uh, I was really comfortable from you know the first conversation, so it worked out great. Spots, we'll talk you through it and make sure we're getting better with that, and then we're going to stretch. Let's have a great day now. Together, one, two, three. When I first met our guys, they were hungry. You know, they were really hungry. They were really together, and that's a great uh, foundation to start with. Our guys really uh, were into something new, and that was really uh, exciting. A lot of my AAU friends or coaches and stuff like that told me about Coach Bob Walsh, and what he was telling me really seemed genuine and honest, and I really want to be a part of what he wants to do here. Beat it, beat it. Come on, Aaron, too easy, Aaron. He's very honest and very tough. Start that again. Come on, Aaron, I know you can beat that screen better than that. Let's go, it's way too easy. You don't want to you know, beat around the bush and tell players the stuff they want to hear rather than what they need to hear, you know? So the way he is about communicating with us is, is the way to go about things. Good. Attack, sprint, get there. A lot Good. of the stuff around you at this level is different, but when you blow the whistle and practice starts and the kids are looking at you, I think it's the same thing. Uh, you're developing trust, you're developing relationships, and you're trying to build a culture. Good. It's been hard, and throughout all of it, the results haven't been there yet. We've stayed together, right? And I'm really proud of that. Right? And that says a lot more about who we are than our record ever will. Rely on the toughness that we've shown to stay together right, and go out there and be the tougher team. All right? Believe in it. Trust what we've done. Trust who we are. All right? I believe in you guys. All right? It's time to win. Let's go. Let's go. Good. Good, Garrett. Good. Good job. Good job. Come on, Till. Work. Dig it out. If we let them catch it in the post, four feet from the hoop and turn and score, we can't win, right? We're tougher than that. Good pass. Good job, Kev. Good job. Get on it. Relax. 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 Yeah. You know, some of those days where we've struggled, we've lost a few games in a row, we're not playing well, it seems like, you know, we're not progressing the way we want, and you show up every day and these guys are ready to go. You know, they're excited, they're together, they're sort of the glue that keeps this whole thing going, and we show up every day ready to get better, and that's all you can ask for. Good job, good job, good job. The playoffs at the end are, are really important to our guys. You know, that's what you're working for, especially when you're struggling to win as many games as you want. You know, we want to put ourselves in a position every year at the University of Maine where we're playing our best basketball when the playoffs roll around, and hopefully we'll be doing that this year. It's been tremendous fun every day. I mean, it's a thrill. We've got a great group of guys to coach. We've got to establish a whole new mentality, and that's what we're doing every day. So we're excited about what we've done. The results aren't where we want them to be, uh, but we're focused on the process, uh, what we do every day, who we are as a team, uh, and the culture that we're trying to establish.
Welcome to the show, Coach. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Thank you for having Hi, me on. Hi, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? I'm doing good. We're you? doing good. Uh, gaining COVID nineteen <laughs> pounds, but That's a struggle for everybody. <laughs> Man, I'm like, uh, I need to get out and walk. I need to do some kind of movement or something. Right. You have to find a routine or something. I, I managed to force myself to go a couple of days a week. Get in a routine. Yes. So, Coach, hey, start us out by t tell me correctly if I pronounce your name right. <laughs> and then tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's Walsh. I think you got it right. There's a little bit of a little bit of maybe a southern twang to the way you say it, but I kind of like that. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I grew up in New York. Uh, I grew up. Uh, both my parents are from the Bronx. Uh, I was always an athlete growing up. So, uh, you know, I was playing sports. I have an older brother who's a year and a half older than I am. We played, you know, every sport imaginable, like a lot of kids growing up, and I was. Very, very fortunate, and I recognize it as I've gotten older. I, I've, you know, lived a life of privilege growing up. I mean, I had opportunities uh, because of my parents and what they provided and how hard they worked, and, um, you know, they both worked to put themselves through school, uh, you know, and, and provided a life for me and my brother where really, you know, we didn't want for anything. I mean, we were able to make choices as we got older based on what we wanted to do. Uh, not necessarily what we had to do. And I always wanted to be involved in athletics. Uh, I just never liked the idea. My my father, my mother, my brother are all business school grads who are certified public accountants and uh, doing the New York City commute, you know, working in an office thing. And I never uh, really wanted to do that. I always wanted to be in, the, in an athletic arena somehow and be involved with, with sports and Trust me, I'd still be playing basketball or baseball or soccer or football if I was good enough to do it. But I realized, uh, you know, I wasn't probably going to get paid to play and, and coaching kind of felt, na felt natural to me. I was always sort of a leader on my teams and the guy that was sort of getting guys organized and, and trying to keep guys motivated. And, uh, you know, I naturally stepped into coaching. You know, I graduated high school, you know. 30 years ago now, actually, in New York City. I went to high school in New York City and uh, attended a Division three school in upstate New York, Hamilton College. Um, you know, played a couple of years there basketball-wise, started my coaching career there, and been very fortunate to have been coaching uh, at some level on a basketball bench ever since. Wow. And listen to the video, I just – I felt this nurturing uh, – type of voice, you know, and you was almost like a motivator, you know, uh, versus uh, a coach saying, you didn't run the play, what you, you know, you were like, let it go, you know, I just felt this nurturing thing. So I, I, I think that that might be where, how you ended up here. Well, I appreciate that. It's, uh, I became a head coach in, in 2005. I was the head coach at a Division three school in Rhode Island, Rhode Island College. And uh, I learned quickly after becoming a head coach that so much of success of, of our team and, and our players as individuals uh, was based on, uh, you know, getting just getting the most out of them. It wasn't what I knew, right? I, I, it wasn't the set plays that we ran or the right, defensive call here or the right substitutions. It was really, uh, you know, trying to get the most out of them mentally uh, and making sure they were ready to compete at a high level today. And to do that, you have to develop trust. And, and trust doesn't come from, you know, me showing you a play that's going to work, that's going to get you two points. I mean, players like that, of course, but trust comes from being honest and, and being direct and showing uh, you know, creating safety, I think, and, and showing some vulnerability myself. So, um, you know, the way I communicate to my players is based on a relationship of trust. And I think, you know, a lot of people mistake coaching as yelling and screaming, you know, mm -hmm. and I feel like if I have to yell and scream as a coach, something's gone wrong, right? We're doing, mm -hmm. we're not doing something right. Uh, if I thought, screaming and cursing was the best way to get the most out of my players, 
then I would scream and curse. I just don't think there are too many areas where that is the best way to get the most out of players. So I want my guys to know that I care about them. Uh, it's got to be about more than basketball. I mean, I love basketball as much as anybody, but uh, you know, I never want to define myself by the score on the scoreboard or whether you know we made a, a hoop on this possession or we didn't. It's really the relationships that I value and that I think allow us, you know, to get the most out of each other. That's, that's, that's really good. Um, I don't know if you hear a lot of coaches, they may say it, but, but actually doing that. And so for you to have the ability to see a player and bring out the best in them, that's a pretty unique skill. That's like a teacher, you know, you have students and, but to be able to pull out what's the best in that player, I mean, that's a unique ability. Not everybody can do that. Yeah, that's what we're all trying to do. I, I think, you know, it is education, certainly coaching. The, the good news is my guys are dying to come to class. You know, I'm not mm -hmm. sure. I'm not sure kids are always dying to go to biology class or, or go to history right. class. So, you know, teachers probably have a tougher job than I do. But, um, you know, that's absolutely it. I think as leaders, we have to think about how we can get the most out of our players and our mm -hmm. team. And mm -hmm. that's different for each individual. You know, you really got to get to know them on a personal level. And, and something I really learned I learned as an assistant coach first, but it's different when you become the head coach and you're the one making the decisions. Uh, you know, you've got to connect. You've really got to make sure uh, they know you care, they can trust you, uh, and that it's a two-way street. They can communicate with you, and, and that's it. I want – I think the hard part, and, and one of the reasons why maybe some coaches, you know, say it but don't necessarily do it is, right, we have a scoreboard that's in public every day. Right. And, and, you know, at the highest level, certainly at college levels and the pros, if that scoreboard says the wrong thing, eventually you're getting fired. No matter how right. much, no matter how much trust you have or how much your players like you or your relationship is good. So it's very, very easy to get caught up in what I think is the wrong thing, which is worrying too much about winning and losing. And then I think your players realize they kind of see right through it. Right. You're not you're not fooling your players. So if if you're just going through the motions with as far as your relationship with your players, just to try and get the end result, they're going to see that. And I don't think you're going to get the most out of them. Well, you know, I know that, you know, one thing as parents, something that we don't realize as far as coaches, that this is your job. And it is unfortunate that most schools depend on you winning as far as keeping your job. So I, I imagine that's pretty hard to kind of balance, you know, you know, this relationship and trust with players at the same time with I got to win. I got to win to keep a job. Right. It's a great point and it is a tough balance, but I would say it shouldn't be uh, or it shouldn't be as tough because I 100 percent believe and I have learned that. It's those relationships and it's that trust and it's the connection you make with your players that lead to the right results, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've had two jobs as a head coach, you know, one at Rhode Island college where we had a ton of success and they'd never had success before. And we won 80% of our games and, you know, went to the NCAA tournament eight years in a row. And then at the division one level, I was the head coach at Maine and we didn't have good results and the team, you know, the program was in a terrible spot. Um, and you know, we, we, for four years, we were trying to change the culture and establish the relationships and, um, you know, connect to get the most out of our guys. And as a coach, you have to realize, you know, some of the best coaching I did was when I was at Maine and we didn't have the results on the scoreboard, but we were getting the most out of each other, you know, mm. and, and, um, fi figuring that out as a coach is very, very difficult because there are some games where, you know, you're losing and your kids are giving it everything they've got and they're playing well and you're just getting beat because the other guy, you know, the other guys are trying to win too. Um, so, yeah. but, but ultimately it's the relationships 
and the connection and the trust with your players that get them to perform at their best. And that's how you're going to get results. Now, there are other factors that come into play and it, it may, you know, that may affect whether you win or lose. Uh, but I don't think you're going to have a lot of success on the scoreboard long term if you're not invested in the right things. All right, Arisha, what you got? So, and I hope I didn't miss, I hope I don't backdoor and ask the question that y'all already asked when I had to un unexpectedly uh, step away. So um, as far as when you guys are recruiting, do, I mean, do you, um, are, I mean, what, what method do you guys have like different coaches that are in different regions and stuff like that? Like most like in football, they're certain coaches assigned to a certain region or the East coast, the West coast or whatever. How do you guys go by recruiting in the area of Maine like that? I would say, I would say in basketball, uh, it's not as regionally defined as it might be in football, football, you've got to recruit more players and you've gotcha. got more coaches to do that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we generally, our staffs have, uh, you know, four guys who go on the road and, and you generally recruit what you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm from New York. I've been on the East coast, uh, pretty much my whole career, my whole life. So, you know, when I was at Rhode Island college recruited a lot, uh, New York, Connecticut, you know, that region, um, right. You know, when I was at Maine and now I'm at Providence College back in Rhode Island, uh, you, you have the ability like at Providence College, we can recruit nationally. You know, we can recruit internationally. So it's not like we have to, to um, focus on a certain region, but there are certain types of kids that are attracted to us, attracted to what's unique about Providence College, attracted to the head coach right now that I currently work for. So you tend to, to find uh, those qualities out and you go from there. Uh, right. So we don't have to divide it up regionally, um, but we do tend to recruit what we know and the relationships that we know best and what's worked for us in the past. Now, now you, um, my son came to a prep school in Connecticut. So back East, there are a lot of, prep schools it's mm. like the thing to do <laughs> yeah it's post-grad you know you can get another year of high school uh through a prep school if your grades are not good so um can you kind of comment on that certainly what prep school did he go to he went to hide oh yeah terrific okay yeah. so uh, New England has a ton of prep schools. You're right. So this area uh, has prep schools at all different levels. Academically, some of the elite academic institutions at that level in the country, uh, as well as some others that are more just honestly factories that are just athletic factories. Um, you know, the prep school question is always an interesting one. Uh, there are three factors for me. One is, can it help make you a better student? Is it going to help you get into a better school academically? There's value in that. Number two, will it help make you a better player? Will it help you uh, maybe get to a higher level as a player or at least improve and mature as a player, as, as a student? Um, there's a lot of value in that. And then number three is, is you add that up, is it worth the money? Is it worth what you have to pay? Um, and that's the challenge. That's the hard part. You know, as a division three coach, we recruited a lot of kids who were borderline scholarship players, division one, division two, but didn't have any offers and wanted to go to prep school because they sort of wanted to keep that dream alive. And right. a lot of them, if they were getting honest feedback, they will, uh, they would have been told, look, you're probably going to go to a division three school anyway, right? That's probably mm -hmm. the level that you're at. So, you know, to spend sometimes 10, 20, 30, $40,000 on a year of prep, you really have to know what you're getting into. Um, you really have to make sure it's the right situation for you academically and athletically. And then, you know, the, the, there's no guarantee, right? I think most prep school coaches joke like, okay, kid comes to me and they think I'm automatically going to get them a division one scholarship. Uh, that's certainly not the case. I think in that recruiting process, 
families, parents, athletes, high school coaches, you really, really have to figure out who you can trust, who has your mm -hmm. best interest in mind. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll connect with a coach at a prep school or a college coach who's recruiting you, who you develop great trust with, and you feel like they do have your best interest in mind, and that's great. But they also have a job to do, right? And that job is, is uh, you know, usually to convince people to come to their school. So uh, figure out who you can really trust, who has your best interest in mind, and block out the rest of the noise. Prep school can be a, an incredible opportunity, it can be terrific, it can change your life. Uh, absolutely. But there are also some situations that aren't very good, that don't work out, uh, where the money just doesn't make sense and you're better off going to college. Yeah. And, you know, we had another, uh, we had a guest on the show and one thing that he brought out that's starting to be real big right now is parents holding their kids back mm. a great level in order to get an edge on recruiting. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, it's happening a lot these days because, you know, people have figured out you can do it. And, and you know, parents say, well, my son, he's just 17 and he's, you know, I don't, I think you should want your kids to have the best high school experience possible and college will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of, you know, holding a kid, you like, you know, the, the kids I went to high school with for four years are the best friends in my life today, you know, to, to have stayed back a year and, you know, let them sort of go on to college before I did. Uh, it would have changed my high school experience. So uh, I'm not really a big fan of it. I, I just think if you have the ability to play at the college level and you have the ability to contribute, whether it's Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, wherever it is, um, for the most part, we are going to find you and you're going to get to the right situation. There's, there's obviously a ton of stories, you know, individual stories about people who, you know, were hidden gems or late bloomers. But, um, you know, I, I don't think I just don't think it's advantageous to hold your son or daughter back to try and get them a year older. Uh, you know, certainly if you want to go to prep school. Uh, or they need to take a year off, whether it's to work or mature, make some money to pay for college. I get it. Uh, but ultimately, I think you want them to have the best academic and athletic experience possible. And I think that's with, you know, their original class. That's, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it for me, um, it was just unfortunate that in different states, the, the, the age was different in going to school where I, my kids were born in California and in California, the mm. date, the cutoff date was later on, like in December. Right. And so in Texas is, I might, it might be September or something like that. So my son born in California, he was on this, you know, this grade level track. And when we came to Texas, he was really too young. He he graduated 17 and he didn't turn 18 until November of his high school year. So he was really, he was like 16 and a senior. And so um, we really could have held him back because his immaturity level was still, uh, still not there. But because the way California did and the way Texas did, it was different. You know, it, he was on the right, right. on the right path. Uh, path. And so, um, but there are parents that are actually just doing it, you know, based on sports in order for their kids to get an edge in, in recruiting. So it's like they're doing whatever it takes to get their, their kid a scholarship. Yeah. It's pretty cutthroat out there these days obviously a scholarship is is extremely valuable i understand that i don't think uh you know making significant decisions based on you know your your son or daughter's ability to play a college sport for an extra year or maybe at a little higher level or whatever it is is going to end up bearing a lot of fruit when it's all said and done um you know it it, it certainly can make a difference and look you mentioned maturity, right? I mean, you know, you may have a 16 or 17 year old who is the right age with his class, but could certainly benefit from a year 
uh, to mature before going away to college, whether it's working at home or taking, you know, a couple of classes locally and, and establishing themselves academically. So there's not an easy answer to it. I would say there's probably too many people making that decision based on athletics, which, you know, the ball's going to stop bouncing pretty soon one way or another, you know? Um, so if your son or daughter is lucky enough to have a chance at a professional career, uh, the odds aren't great that they're going to be able to make a living doing it for very long. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of decisions about college made based on athletics that long term really should be made based on academics and fit. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where I would I would send, you know, most people to focus on that, um, you know, to get the best experience. That's where I think the kids are going to be the happiest. Mm, that's good. What you got? I so um <clears throat> Again, hopefully y'all don't ask the same question. So, so as far I, well, I'm going to ask two questions in one. Let me know if you've already answered one. Um, as far as how everything is set up with, uh, like how in the NBA and all that, they're playing in that bubble and stuff. Is this the same situation that's hap- going to be happening with you guys? And then how has the practice or off season affect, I mean, you know, COVID eff- affected your off season and all of that? Well, it's had a huge effect. Uh, so, you know, college basketball was, was shut down, you know, Completely in March is. before the, before the NCAA tournament even started. And, mm-hmm. you know, at most places, and I know for us at Providence, uh, our kids went home on March 15th and they didn't come back okay. until September. So wow. they, they weren't working out together. They were taking classes online. There weren't any summer workouts and most people, you know, uh, around the world, certainly in our country were, you know, it wasn't like you were going down to the park and playing pickup with, with 10 of your buddies either. I mean, everybody was staying inside. So Uh it did have a significant impact. Uh, now that we are back in school, uh, I, you know, it's different everywhere. Uh, cause in some areas there are hot spots where the virus is, is really raging in other areas. It's been um, it's been diffused well enough to, to maybe allow some more activities. So far, we're just doing individual development with four guys in the gym. So we haven't even gotten back to five on five yet. Um, you know, what the NBA did, created a bubble. Uh, that cost them about $150 million. Oh, wow. Um, so they did a great job with it. Uh, I don't think you can do something – you might be able to do something like that in college athletics, say for the NCAA tournament, you know, for three weeks or so. I mean, also you look at the Heat and the, you know, the Lakers who are, who are the only two teams left. I mean, they're looking at 90 days right now in that bubble, you know, which is, I mean, we all think, oh, it's Disney World. That would be pretty cool. But that's three months. And for the first, you know, month and a half, they weren't, you know, their families weren't there either. So mm-hmm. to do that with college kids, is hard. You, you oh, may yeah. see some of that for a week or two, maybe over break where, you know, teams get together in certain areas for tournaments. Uh, and you can, you know, the one thing is we play for about six weeks over break where most of the other students aren't on campus. So it gives us an opportunity to create something close to a bubble uh, on our own campuses where our kids won't have to interact with too many people. Mm-hmm. But it's had a significant impact. The impact isn't going away. You know, right now, right. no one can really tell you, hey, this is what college basketball is going to look like come November. Just like, you know, college football, you're having games canceled each week. You know, the NFL just had a game canceled. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we're trying to manage it as best we can with the health and safety of our kids in mind. Uh, but it's a day-to-day thing, no doubt. Right. So, you know, one thing that we've been asking some of our guests is um, what would you do if there was no sports? What would I do personally if there was no sports? I would probably uh, be a writer, um, some sort of communications, maybe radio. Uh, I have a passion for writing and uh, I also have a leadership development business. So, that kind of came from coaching and, and sort of understanding the leadership side of things and how important it was. So uh, something with writing or possibly 
leadership is more more than likely what I'd be doing if there were no sports. I wouldn't be as happy though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. Most most of the coaches they'd be like, oh, I don't know how to answer that question. Exactly. We get we get to we get to wear our pajamas to work every day and show every up day. in the gym. Exactly. You know, like we've got it pretty good. So yes. So you were saying something about honest feedback. Um, I know as parents, we we all think that our kid is the best player. And so how do you um, evaluate, you know, your players and, and give that feedback uh, to the honest feedback to parents as far as where their child really should B versus D1, D2, junior college, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that with parents as far as feedback? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question and a challenging topic for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, It goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the the relationship with the players. Uh, The way I handle it is through the players, right? I developed that relationship with the players where they know we're going to speak openly and honestly all the time. We might not always agree. Um, but I've got to develop the trust to the point where they think, um, you know, I have their best interest in mind. And, and I always ask my players two questions when we're talking about, you know, their development. I say, number one, do you trust me? Hopefully the answer is yes. Uh, number two, do you want to be great? And hopefully the answer to that is yes. And I say, okay, if those two things are true, right, if you trust me and you want to be great, here's what I think you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um and then, to be honest with me, the majority of the conversations uh, with the parents about athletic ability and basketball and, you know, ability to play in college come through the player, right? I, I never want to say anything to a parent that I haven't already discussed with the player. Uh, so I'll bring the parents on board, obviously, if they want to call and say, hey, you know, how's he doing with this? How's he doing academically? Great. If they say, you know, well, why isn't he playing more? Uh, my, my general answer is ask your son, right? I've, I've had mm-hmm. conversations with your son about this. He knows exactly where I stand. You know, we may disagree. Um, and then as, as far as the ability, once you've established the, um, the credibility and the trust, the recruiting process as far as level uh, – it really takes care of itself, right? If you think you're a division one player and no division one schools are coming to watch you play, calling your coach or calling you, then the process is telling you you're not a division one player, right? Mm -hmm. So I may sit there and say, Hey, I think you are this certain level player, but you know, when I was at Maine, like, look, I think you can play in the big East, but I'm not the one making that decision. I don't, ha- I don't work in the Big East. I'm at Maine, which is a lower level. I think you can play at Maine, and that's why I'm offering you a scholarship. So uh, it, is, it is challenging. You have to understand that every parent you know, loves their kid more than anything and wants the best for them. Uh, it's also very competitive, so I think in a lot of ways it does get emotional. And, and I would say the last thing I try and do is take the emotion out of it. You know, let, let's talk about the facts about your son and what is best for him. And if you tell me, coach, you know, I'm telling you he can play at this level, I, I say, look, I, I will fully support that. I'm not going to stand in his way. I'll do everything I can to help him uh, as long as you understand that I may think differently about it. You know, and I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. But it goes back to the trust in the relationship with the player. You know, I've had more conversations uh, with parents in front of players where the player said, Oh, come on, mom, stop it. Like he's, you know, coaches already, coaches already told me that. So, um, and, and you have to, you have to be willing to communicate honestly and openly. I, I've never, I've never had a player or a parent say, you know what, coach, I'm pissed off at you because you told me the truth too much. I've never had anybody say that. Right. And, and, and I get a lot, a lot, a lot of, well, you know what, coach, I appreciate you being honest with me, mm. you know, and that's, you know, it, it seems like it's hard to do um, harder than it should be, because, again, there's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of pressure involved at the highest level. I understand it. So I'm not I'm not dismissing it as simple, 
But mm -hmm. honest, direct truth telling, I think, uh, is really important. I've learned over the years how to probably do it in a less direct way so that it's easier to be received. And I think that's really important for coaches um, because, you know, if you say, hey, I think my son's a Division One player and the first thing I do is laugh, you know, that's not going <laughs> to. Right. You know, that's not going to make you feel comfortable, even though I may <laughs> right. say, well, OK, you know, he's got a chance to be a Division one player. But right now he's being recruited by these schools. So um, I, I think that the trust and, and the direct honesty is really important. OK, coach, what's the nicest thing you ever said to a referee? <laughs> the night. <laughs> well, you know what? I got an interesting story, which it's it's. The nicest thing I ever did for a referee, um, and, and to be to be truthful, just to say this off the bat, I am about as pro referee as any coach you'll ever talk to. Like I mm -hmm. honestly think referees, you know, college basketball officials do a great job. It's a hard game to officiate. I've never spent a lot of time, you know, worrying about them. I have good relationships with them. I had an official uh, who I knew pretty well, actually. So I, I went from Rhode Island to Maine, and this official happened to be from Rhode Island and used to work our team camps when I was an assistant back here. And he was doing one of our games at Maine, and we were struggling. Uh, we lost. Uh, you know, we're, we had a three-point lead with 12 seconds to go. They got a rebound. We lost the game we shouldn't have lost. And – they missed a clear violation. Like after the tape, they missed a clear violation that cost us a possession where they hit the three and send it to overtime. And so I had a relationship with this official and I sent them the video and just said, Hey, can you tell me? Cause I, I wasn't really sure. And he basically called me back and said, he said, I'm sick. He said, that was my call. You know, mm -hmm. that was on me. Like, it should have been a violation. It should have been your ball. Right. Instead of them hitting the three, we take the ball out of bounds, up three, and we win the game. And he had, he had you know, I, I said, I, I won't who, use his who name. Who paid you? Who paid you? <laughs> no, I, I said to him, I said, you know what? He, he, he used to do some of my big games when I was at Rhode Island College. He, he's a terrific official. I really believe it. He made a mistake. He admitted it. And I said – I will take you on any big game I ever coach happily at any point. So you owe me don't worry one. about it. No. And, <laughs> and it was funny. So he, he was progressing and, and, you know, the, the director of officials asked us our opinion and, and he had, he had gotten assigned a conference tournament game that year, which was a big step for him. And he asked me, he said, are you going to call the director on this? And I said, I've never done that in my life. I've never called the director of officials about an official in a game. I just, it's not worth, it's not worth my energy. And I said, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, I'd take you on my playoff game any, any day. So that's, that's probably the nicest thing I've said <laughs> or done for an official. That um, was overboard. Like you did. Yeah. Like, did. I like I've just. Man, I don't have enough energy to spend on officials all that much right, during games. Right. Like, I'll let the parents handle that. I'll let the, the crowd <laughs> right. handle that. Like, I you know, do the dirty work. It, it is it is important to have a, a decent relationship with them, certainly, because having yeah. a connection with them and being able to talk to them. But, um, yeah, I've I've I just I wish I had enough sort of brain power to worry about my team and myself and and coaching and the officials at the same time, but. Uh, you know, I, I'm a better coach when I'm leaving them alone. <laughs> wow. Well, that's awesome. That was a good, that was, I wasn't expecting that answer. I thought you was going to tell us that. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten one of them's face a couple of times, you know, this one official just comes and he seemed like he's just after our team, but you know what? We need to get a, a, a trophy or award that I don't think another coach would have told us that they, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I've learned, they don't care who wins. They really don't care who wins. And, and at our level, like like Division One high-level college officials, you know how much money they make? No. Like, you, you know how much uh, – like, like, the, like the, the Maryland, you know, 
the Maryland-Michigan State basketball game that takes place in College Park, you know how much those officials are getting paid? No. Like um, they're getting paid, just say, over $3,000 a game each. Oh, wow. Right? So, so think about that. And, and I'm not saying that to say it's wrong or whatever. There's a ton of money in college athletics. But if they're doing, you know, 75 to 100 games a year, and some right. of them are making – I mean, that's on the low end, right? The higher, the better, more experienced. So the last thing they want to do is get into a tussle with a coach who right. can then get them, you know, get say, no, I don't want him doing my games or I don't want doing this and that. Now, it may, it may not seem that way, certainly for your team. You know, it seems mm-hmm. like, you know, we all have those guys that – but. I have learned that they don't care who wins or loses. They just want to get it right. And they, they hate getting it wrong. And they get it wrong just like I do. But you know what? They don't get to turn and yell at me when I make a bad sub. You know? Or, right. Or, uh, <laughs> right. But, yeah. My brother I, referees, so he, he kind, he's so serious about it. I didn't realize how serious refs really get into it and stuff like he's gotten really he started out in foot in the basketball area oh yeah now he does a little bit of volleyball and baseball he said he don't want to touch football though which really? is shocking because he was a quarterback yeah really <laughs> and he was really good yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. uh it's it's and it's challenging like you watch the nba and how good those athletes are and how fast they move and how small the court is and we complain about the officials and i'm like you know i mean it is hard to yeah. do you know, it is certainly hard. So, yeah, I uh, I just don't have that much energy to, to – yeah. I got enough to worry about. Hopefully right. those three guys I don't have to worry about. Right. <laughs> so you're in Maine and Rhode Island. Is it cold up there right now? Not yet. Not yet. I'm in, I'm in Newport, Rhode Island right now, and it's actually we're – still, we're still hanging on to summer just a little bit. So, mm. um, wow. you know, I was in the 70s today. Uh, it'll get us though. It'll get us a couple of weeks. It'll start, uh, start to turn, but the fall in this area is actually beautiful. You know, oh, okay. yeah, September, uh, September and October in new England is beautiful. You know, you're probably not going to the beach. You're probably wearing a pullover when you're going for a walk, but, uh, it's a great time to visit. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Good. My nephew's supposed to come play basketball at a school in Maine. I don't know if it's your school, but I don't know if he made it up there already, but is he in college or is he in prep school or college? Oh yeah. Yeah. His name is Sebastian Martinez young, <laughs> but mm. I don't, I need to ask him which school. Cause he came up there with some late registration and stuff and he was really good in basketball. Hmm. So I need to ask him which school it was that he's going to down there. I was like, wow, are you going way up there? He was like, yeah, but I need to, it's going to be good for me. I was like, okay. It is up there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so tell us what else um what else you got going on and how people can connect with you. Yeah, well I've got uh, I've got a website that uh I actually started when I was a division three coach. It, it was sort of a way to stay connected and, and keep my mind moving in the off season and, and um studying leadership. I started a leadership academy. Uh, in Rhode Island, which is kind of on pause right now, like everything else, but um, teaching leadership, it's called the Dynamic Leadership Academy. So uh, people can get touch in touch with me at coachbobwalsh.com uh, and at Coach Bob Walsh on Twitter. I also host a podcast uh, similar to, to the show that you're doing, but it's just a 30-minute podcast called the Dynamic Leadership Podcast, which you can find on iTunes and uh, at athleticdirectoru.com. So, um, yeah, I, I love feedback. I love, I get, I get, you know, emails and, and posts and stuff from coaches all over the world all the time about some of the stuff that we do. So I'm yeah. a big share of, uh, of information and, uh, really, really appreciate what you guys are doing too. This is pretty cool what you got going on here. Oh, awesome. Um, That's good to hear. (laughs) Thank you. You know, you don't hear parents' voices that much. You know, you hear that Hall of Fame games when you say, my mama worked two jobs. And and so it's just this year is the year of the mouth. It's just time to hear the voices of parents. And as far as how what they went through to raise up an athlete in order to help other parents. So thank you so much. Absolutely. So uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. And if you guys reach out to Coach, 
if you need to be uh, any type of leadership. So the leadership is not just in coaching, it's in all areas. Yeah, it's it's dynamic leadership. So I realized how much of coaching was actually, you know, 75% of it is, is leadership. It's being able to command a room and deliver mm -hmm. a, a consistent message and develop relationships and a lot of stuff that we talked about. So, um, you know, I've done some some corporate leadership training and some speaking engagements and stuff like that. And really, it's just, you know, it's a simple definition of leadership. It's, it's make the people around you better. Uh, mm -hmm. I think one of the mistakes that we make as coaches is, you know, we treat leadership as a rank. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think leadership is a skill. Like we, you know, I, I can pretty much tell you who the captains are of any team anywhere. It's the older players. It's the better players. It's the louder players, the ones who are willing to speak up. I'm not sure that necessarily makes them the best leaders. So, uh, yeah, it's it's – it's been good. And I've done a lot of Zoom work with a bunch of teams now that Zoom has become the thing and, yeah. um, you know, some different groups. So it's something I hope to expand on in the future. Well, awesome. Awesome. So whenever. So do you know if you're going to have a basketball season yet? The plan is right now to do so. Um, you know, we're supposed to start November 25th, college basketball. That's the date it's going to start. So. Um, you know, practice will start official team practice October 14th. And, but we're day to day, week to week, like everywhere else, you know, just trying to get through it and make sure people, uh, you know, stay safe and that we can do it safely. And I think we can do it safely. So hopefully by late November, we'll be playing basketball. All right. Well, we wish you the best basketball season and everybody is healthy and everybody gets back to normal and um, you, that you have a great uh, season. We really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Thanks so Thank much, you. ladies. I really enjoyed the conversation. And I appreciate what you do. So keep doing it. All right. Thank you. Well, you, this is Cameron Talk Sports. And so I'm here with my host. Arisha. A.K.A. We'll, <laughs> all right. A.K.A. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm still working on that intro. But uh, anyway, so we'll be back on Sunday. Thanks and share this video. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Bye bye.